you got 30 seconds, you want to be a better runner, get better electrolytes, go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run, get a free sample pack, six different flavors sent to you, only $5 shipping. I'll refund your money if you don't like it. Electrolytes without the junk, no sugar. It's great. Try it out now. You can check out on your phone, literally 30 seconds. And while you're on your phone, sign up for the supporters club. Let's run.com slash subscribe. Become a Let's Run.com VIP today. Save 20% on running shoes. Get an extra podcast every week. Subscription pays for itself. Welcome to the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. We've got a special guest this week. It is Emma Bates. She is the 2014 NCAA 10,000-meter champion while at Boise State. She's now a professional runner for ASICS. She's the 2018 U.S. Marathon champion. She finished seventh at the Olympic Marathon Trials last year and most recently ran a negative split 224.20 to become the ninth fastest American female marathoner of all time and finished second at the Chicago Marathon. Emma, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This is the first time on your podcast, so very exciting. So I was talking to you just beforehand, and you said that it sounded like your voice was more sore than your legs after Chicago. How are you, how did you celebrate? How have you been feeling the like you know the week after the race? I feel okay, but my team boss teammates they forgot to give me water after the race so they were just handing me champagne and espresso martinis and all the things and I lost my voice just from all the excitement but my legs are actually feeling really really good and I think the ASIC shoes that we're running in just like they provide so much uh, recovery and relief so I'm actually feeling feeling great. Well that's one of the big things I feel like we're getting with a lot of different marathoners is you see with Shalane Flanagan running her series and Ruth Chepengedich, the one who the woman who won the Chicago Marathon, she was bouncing back from the Olympics eight weeks earlier uh, nine weeks earlier. And you know, I feel like the super shoes are just enhanced recovery. Do you feel that like in workouts as well? Yeah, I definitely do. And I think that it changes your form a little bit. So I don't know if that takes the pressure off of areas that you're kind of a little bit weaker in. So I don't know the science behind it, but I do know that, yeah, recovering is definitely like a, a pretty quicker process with, with the new technology for sure. So let's dig into the race a little bit. The interesting thing about this was you ran a negative split, which pretty much everyone in Chicago, including Ruth, Ruth Chepengedich, the winner, one ran pretty big positive splits. It was warm, it was windy. But you were able to negative split this thing and run a personal best two twenty four twenty. How like how did you do that? Just being smart. I mean, we went into it. Joe, my coach, and I were just talking. Like we we knew that it was going to be a pretty tough day if you go out too fast. So we just wanted to make sure that the execution of just really being conservative the first half. And I was supposed to go through the first half in seventy two minutes end up going like 7230 because it just didn't feel right. Like I just I always run off of feel and I got to mile 10 and the pacer and Kira D'Amato were were pulling ahead of me and I was just like this just doesn't this seems a little too soon to be pressing this much. And so I just wanted to 
kind of get into my own rhythm and follow just like what my legs and my my body were feeling. And I was pouring water on me the entire time, but it was still just really relentless heat. And then I don't know what mile it was at, but then the wind hits you and it's just, you don't want to be pressing that that early. And so I don't think I started pressing in the race until, you know, maybe mile 14, 15. And I think that's what really got me to the finish line in a negative split, just being smart. How long were you on your own during that race? Oh, you know... It's hard because like you, (laughs) I don't really remember. I'm trying to like do all like the recaps on Instagram and everything like that. And I'm trying to remember, you try to be so like, you try not to think the most of the race. So like the first half of the race, I just try to shut my brain off. So I think it was like, it was around mile nine or 10 that Kira and the Pacer started going. And then Lindsay Flanagan and Carrie Verdone kind of dropped back behind me too. So I was on my own at that point. And then I caught up to Kira and the pacer maybe at mile 16, but uh, she wasn't feeling good at that point. So the pacer started going. He was like, are you going to go with me? I was like, I guess so. I mean, (laughs) if you're going to like keep picking it up. So he was with me until maybe mile 20, but he... I don't, I don't know his name. I'm sorry, but he, I don't know if this is his first time pacing. He was a little like all over the place. And I have had to kept like yelling at him, like, come back, come back. Cause I, I wanted him to like, try to help block some of the wind at some point, but he's also, he was also kind of a little guy. So he wasn't really doing much in the, in the form of wind blocking anyway, but it's just nice to have somebody there. And so I think I, I wasted some energy just like yelling at him, come back, come back. All right, we got to get this guy to talk to my bosses, Robert and Weldon Johnson, because one of their proudest claims to fame, each of them helped pace a women's world record at the Chicago Marathon. So Robert was like bragging on last week's podcast that we didn't celebrate him for pacing. Like it was the 20 year anniversary of this thing. So that's like his biggest claim to fame in the running world is pacing that world record. It's a pretty great accomplishment. He should be proud. I'm curious, like, was it difficult for you to hold back early in the race when those women are running away from you? Yeah. So like on that point of, you know, when I realized that this pace just doesn't feel good, you start to get a little nervous because it's like, you don't know if they're going to come back to you. You don't know if you're like, I was kind of going through a rough patch at that point. I don't know if I'm going to hit a, hit a good patch. And so I was turning to Joe. He was like, you know, just try to stay relaxed and whatnot. I was like yelling at him. I'm like, they're going too fast. Like, and, and at that point I was like, well, I mean, if she doesn't come back to me, I'm just going to keep running my race. But all of a sudden, like, I just hit a point where I was like, you know what? No, like this is, this is it for me for like, you know, the next six months, I need to really like kind of put myself out there a little bit and maybe take a risk at, you know, mile 14, 15 and try to catch up to Kira and the pacer and see if I can do something. And I think I ended up dropping like a five ten or something pretty, pretty quick. And I just like kept feeling good. And so I just kept following, you know, my legs and, and just like off of that feeling of feeling really good. And, you know, just kind of went after it at that point, because once you get to halfway, it's like, it's, you got to go for it at some point. And so that's when I really decided was, was that that, you know, mile 15 or so that this needs to happen. Okay. And how was you, because you said you were feeling good, but you also said you've been dealing with cramps, I think for about mile 10 onwards, like how physically were you feeling at that point? Yeah, it was it was a very strange feeling. I've never ran a marathon in that kind of heat before. And I knew that cramps were going to arise at some point. And that's why I've never drinking water, drank, drank water in a marathon before. And so just trying to get down electrolytes and water as much as I could at every stop. But my hamstrings have never kind of seized up like that. And the 
at from like mile 10 to maybe like mile 22, it was fine. But after that, like every time I tried to pick it up more and more, they started seizing more and more. And it's almost that feeling of like, you know, like a Charlie horse where you you don't know if it's going to like seize up for good and you're going to have to stop and kind of rub it out or do something or, or start walking. And so I, it was a little like unnerving just having that feeling for the first time in a marathon. But ultimately, you know, it worked out really well. You placed second overall. And it seemed like, I mean, do you feel like because you went out less conservatively, or sorry, more conservatively, that was the reason why you were less affected by the heat and the wind than the other runners? Or do you think anything else went into it? I mean, I definitely think that is a factor. But I also just wonder if we all would have gone out conservatively or more conservatively, like not going out at 211 pace would have I don't know, made made more of a race or maybe I would have been more in it. I don't know. It's so hard to say like where everybody would have been at if, if they hadn't gone after it. And maybe if I would have gone after it, I would have ran a faster time, but maybe I would have, you know, suffered a lot more. I don't know until like you're actually doing it. You don't know what your body can, can take. And that's what the, is so beautiful about the marathon too, is like the stars kind of align some days, some days they don't, and you just don't know what you're going to get. You mentioned Ruth Chepengedich being on 2.11 pace. She was on 2.11 pace through 5K. Then 10K, she comes through 31.22. She's ahead of some, like Chris Derrick, Reed Fisher, I think, at that point. Like, are they telling you how big the gap was? No, nobody. Well, if they were, I wasn't listening because I just like, I had no idea how many women were ahead of me. I don't know how far they were ahead of me. I just knew like, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to execute my race. And I you know, Joe and and my teammates were telling me like what place I was in so many times, like, oh my gosh, you just moved into third, like you just passed Sarah Hall. And I didn't quite believe them though. I was like, are you sure there's not more people ahead of me? And even when like Joe was yelling at me that Sarah's ahead of me, I was like, I think you're mistaken. And I kept looking ahead and there was all these like men. And I was like, is she in there? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's actually her. And it wasn't until I officially passed her that I was like, oh, that, that was Sarah. And then even, you know, the second place girl too, was like, oh, wow. And so it wasn't until they crossed the finish line that I actually knew what place I had gotten. Cause I was just, I was just running. Yeah. That's one of the tricky things with mixed gender starts you know you can get a woman in a cocoon of men uh and you can, it's easy to lose track so that, that's really interesting so you alluded to the fact that you do these lengthy post-race recaps of your marathons on instagram which i think is great you know it gives an insight into how it went uh right now as we're recording this you're three posts into your chicago series i don't know how long it's going to go but can you give us a sneak peek have you written the rest of the posts yet what's what's to come I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea what's to come. I just write them as they come to me. And typically that's like one a day, maybe not even, um, it was two yesterday, but I, again, like I have to go back and really try to rethink what was happening and going through my mind because it's just like, it's 26.2 miles of kind of like a blur. And it just, it, it is two and a half hours or two, 24 hours. But, um, it like happens so quickly, honestly, like you just, you have to really digest it. And so that's why I do these recaps is because like for just for like my own like sake, like trying to just really relish and like what happened and what kind of went on and, and really appreciate the journey that I went on through those 26.2 miles. Did you have a pre-race goal in terms of time was completely thrown out the window once we saw the, the weather forecast, but 
it, it's we wanted to podium. That was definitely like hands down the um, goal in mind. Like Joe was just like getting ever more excited, like every single long run, every single workout. And this is the first time that I've trained with him. This is the first time I've trained at altitude for a marathon. And so I knew that I was in really good shape, the best shape of my life, but I didn't know really what realm that was going to put me in. And so to be able to actually like you know, have a goal in mind and it come to fruition was like just really, really cool experience. And we're, we're just thrilled that I was able to, to get it done. Now, I mean, normally when an American finishes on the podium of a world marathon major, it's like a huge deal. And I mean, this, this was a great run for you, obviously you and Sarah Hall both finished on the podium, but it was also like looking at the elite field beforehand, it seemed kind of inevitable almost just because there were so few, like really top tier international women. Uh, there were only three South African women. There were only five women total who'd run under 225. I mean, do, do you take that into account when you evaluate that result? Like, how does that, do you factor that in? How does it make you think about how you place? I mean, yeah, you have to think about that stuff. I mean, uh, you know, New York City Marathon is going to be like, it's totally stacked. And like, just because of COVID, like people aren't able to get over here and whatnot. But then you start to think about like past races too. And like, you can kind of peg that to a lot of um, different things. Like even the Olympics, like there's only, you know, three Kenyans that can make the, make the Olympic team and, you know, three Ethiopians. And so you have to start like, uh, if you're going to get like nitty gritty about the Chicago marathon and it being shallow, you got to start, you know, talking about these other races too. So that's, that's my perspective anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like a healthy perspective. And I mean, it was definitely a, definitely a better performance than what you ran two years ago to get fourth. Mm-hmm. So um, certainly have improved in that span. Now you're two twenty four twenty, number nine all time among Americans. What goals do you? What What's next goal for? I hadn't really thought about it um, yet. We haven't like gotten my schedule pegged down, but like this has definitely changed the trajectory of my career, and this has opened up a lot of doors for me, and like just being, you know, invited to to certain races and whatnot. And so I definitely want to um, just kind of ride this momentum as much as I can. I don't want to get too greedy, but I also like want to get after it a little bit more and maybe take some more risks. Also, um, I think we're just kind of scratching the surface of my potential. And, um, I think I was in like 222, maybe even 221 shape going into this race. And so, I mean, not to like talk about the American record yet, but like, that's definitely something that, you know, could be in the sights for the next, you know, five to six years. Um, and just seeing somebody like Sarah Hall, that's running, you know, well into her late thirties, it's, I still have a lot of time left. And so that's what is really exciting about just my career so far is, um, just what I've accomplished thus far. And I think that I still have a long ways to go. So that's really exciting. And um, yeah, I just I just really want to ride this momentum as much as I can. When did you know that you were going to be a marathoner? Um, I think that was when I started running the 10K. And like, it wasn't until like, I think I made, uh, yeah, nationals, um, my retro sophomore year. And I took third. Um, that was probably the point where like so many coaches and so many athletes were telling me like, wow, you have a marathon stride. And I was like, really? And I didn't really, I wasn't very excited about that. Cause like, who wants to run 26.2 miles? I mean, <laughs> what is that? I'd rather, you know, run the hundred or, or the hurdles or something like this, but, um, this is what my body's meant to do. And so, um, it was, yeah, like 
once uh, Corey Immels came to Boise State, we started doing like all these longer tempos and that was where I really thrived. And I think that was where um, also I, I just started thinking a little more seriously about it. And then um, the 10K just wasn't wasn't really going great for me in my professional career. And so I was like, I need to make the switch at some point. And so I'm glad I did when I, when I did. And um, yeah, it's just been a, a really fun ride and I love marathon training more than anything. Oh, well, it's good to hear because I, I think, I don't know if it's Kyle Merber or someone had like this basically every runner just runs the shortest event that they can be great at. Like the default is the hundred and then you just keep moving up until you find one you're good at. So marathon, like, do you feel like, when did you start like really enjoying it? Honestly, like the first time I started training for it, I just loved like the lower intensity and like, I, I have like a, an analogy, like, um, you know, like the, the boiling frog or whatever, like I, I don't like being in like the fire. Like I don't like to burn hot. I like to just kind of like let it simmer for a little bit and like slowly get hotter and hotter. And I think that's just how my body works is, you know, um, I just, I, I need to be out there for longer. The, the more I run, the more energy I have. And my teammates joke about it all the time. They're like, yeah, Emma, you're running like 120 miles a week and you have the most energy you ever have. Like, this is very, very strange. And I don't know what it is about, um, just, yeah, getting out there for you know miles and miles on end but I just feel so good and happy and you know just seeing more of like the trails and just uh more time with people um I think that's what has made it so so special and how that's the only way that I enjoy is just like you know really taking in all around me so was that what you were doing for for this build up 120 miles at altitude because even for a female marathoner that's quite a lot yeah. Yeah. I think it was like oh, four weeks, maybe at 120. There was some 118, there was 115. There was one week actually I ran 127. That was kind of accidental because we do like 10 day cycles. And so it happened that I ran 127 miles in seven days. So, um, and I didn't even notice. So it's like, it's all good, I guess. <laughs> but it's like, you don't have any issues recovering anything like that at altitude. Cause it's, I guess it's not like, 7,000 feet in Boulder, but it's still like to do that much miles at out. It's, it's a lot, you know, and recovering in altitude can sometimes be more difficult. Right. It's weird that I haven't had a problem. Um, actually have felt better this cycle than I ever have. And I think maybe the 10 day cycles honestly help like having two days in between each session and each long run have really, um, let me, let me recover a lot more. And, um, I think just like, honestly, the, the energy of all the people around me in Boulder, there's so many people that run and so many people that are like working really, really hard that I think I just, you know, kind of ride that energy wave and I've been able to handle it pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Speaking of people in Boulder, one of the things that struck me about your post-race comments in Chicago is that all of your teammates flew out to cheer you on, on the streets of Chicago during the race. And for a marathon where they can see you maybe a max of like five minutes during a two and a half hour race, that's pretty impressive dedication. Like how did that come about? Well, it was just, it was mostly like, I thought just Joe and Emma were going to come. Honestly, I didn't even know Emma was going to come. I think I just thought it was Joe the entire time. But um, over the course of like the the fall, when everybody kind of was on a break from, you know, the Olympics and track season, they just like, were like, well, what should we do? Like during this time, let's go like support Emma because like, you know, she's out here working really, really hard and um, she's out there, you know, for 20 plus miles all on her own. So let's go like, just cheer her on as much as we can. And so the more that they like kind of were immersed in my training, the more excited they got. And all of a sudden they were like, well, of course we're going to come watch you. Um, and then they started like, you know, planning, like, 
getting e-bikes and going to point to point. So they, I think I saw them at least like 10 times during the marathon and they, they were working hard to get from point to point, but like their excitement level. And like, I think, um, just me being so excited for them, like being there during my workouts and everything, and just kind of like having fun with them, um, really made for a really great experience. And I think they, I created a few uh, marathon fans now. I, I know that a lot of them have have watched marathons maybe in the past, but this was the first time that they were like actually at one and like just super excited and cheering and like really invested. And that's just really special to me that they they made the trip out there and that they that they cared that much about me. So um, it's really sweet. And I'm very very lucky. Yeah, I mean the dedication. Look at some of the posts you had on Instagram. Really impressed me because I think I saw one where. Emma Coburn was biking alongside you during a workout. And then one of them, Dom Scott, got up at like seven in the morning to pace you in some 1K repeats. Like Aisha Pro Liz watching you run the workouts. I mean, it seems like that's a pretty special camaraderie that you have amongst that group. Yeah. And I, I think this is how they've always been. I mean, I just joined the team, but uh, they just have such a a support system in, in just each other. And they're just like, we're all friends outside of the team. And that's something that's very, very rare. I think in the sport, we're not just like business colleagues, like we actually like being around each other. And I think that helps just with um, just camaraderie and just, you know, um, just kind of striving for our own goals. Like you want to make the rest of the team proud because they're, they're always there and they're always supporting you. So you, you want to do them proud and you want, you want to, you know, them to be excited for you. So um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a very unique experience and I'm, I'm very thrilled that I was able to, you know, have the opportunity to join them. And I have lifelong friends for, you know, the rest of my life because this is, this is such a special group and they really care about each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, does Joe do every? He's biking next to you for every long run. Is that I saw him post that on Instagram as well. Yeah, he also rides on this like little bike that is collapsible that is not doesn't look comfortable at least. I mean, he complains about his butt hurting every single long run that we did. Um, and we told him that we can get him a nicer bike, but he refuses. I guess no pain, no gain. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm impressed. That's dedication for sure. <laughs> um. Oh, and then one thing I wanted to ask about Chicago, the first few marathons of your career, you'd always had stomach issues, you know, vomiting or nausea or that sort of sort of thing. I think in the marathon project, you mentioned you had to stop four times to go to the bathroom. Did you have any problems in Chicago? And if you were able to solve it, what, what did you stakes? What steps did you take to remedy that? Um, yeah, marathon project, I think was just like more stress related. And so I think that's why I threw up as many times as I did. Um, but the other ones, like, I think I just took down too much. Like I was doing like the carb drink. Um, I take Martin, I take the carb drink and then the gels. And this time around, um, I think just because of the heat, I wanted to do more water to make sure that I wasn't cramping. And I think that was kind of the balance that I needed was like, just take the gels and then do water the rest of the way. So I didn't take anything else, but, um, I think it was, I think I took seven, seven of the Martin gels, the hydrogels. And yeah, I think I figured it out. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, maybe some electrolytes next time for the the hamstrings, but at least my stomach was able to handle what I was putting down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to run a little faster when you're not having to stop every time. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you met, you know, I brought up the marathon project before. After that race, I thought it was interesting, your comments, because at the start 
of your series of posts, you were saying, I thought it was a success. You know, you've gone through some emotional difficulties just making it to the start line. But then by the end of that, you seem kind of disappointed that you would only run 225 and you were hoping to run faster. So, like, how do you feel about that race looking back now? Well, it's kind of like an interesting thing because, I mean, 225, 40, I was only, you know, 20 seconds off my PR, but that was a, a course specifically designed to run really, really fast. And so, that's why I was disappointed. It was like, it, on paper, it's 225, 40. But in reality, like if that was at a major marathon, if that was at like a Chicago, that would have been like two, three minutes slower. Honestly, I don't think people realize that. So that's why I was so disappointed that I was so far off of, you know, what I had originally wanted to run. And in hindsight, I'm very, very happy with how I did. But at the time, I was just like, you always want more. You're you're never satisfied as runners. But with everything that I went through, um, my perspective has changed that like I am very proud of that race. And I think that really changed um, how I approached each race after that. And especially this marathon is like I can I can do hard things and I can go through really hard emotional stuff and still come out on top um, as much as, you know, I, I need to. And um, that really has taken me through um just where I am now and, and the mentality that I have and just kind of appreciating uh, the little things in life and, and really focusing on those and, and bringing that to the start line. One of the things you mentioned after that race, you said that putting emotions into a box is never a good idea. Mm-hmm. I need to talk about the things that are weighing on me with friends, family, and especially a trained professional. Did you do any of that after the marathon project? All, all of that definitely. And I am so much better for it. And I definitely recommend that to anybody that's going through a really hard time, you know, uh, especially runners. Like we, we tend to compartmentalize as much as we can, like, Oh, you know, running isn't gonna, or uh, things in my life aren't going to affect my running. I won't let that happen, but we are such emotional beings. And at least I am a very emotional runner that if I'm not happy, I am not going to race. Well, I'm not going to run well. I don't run well off of like, you know, anger or sadness or anything like that. Like I need everything in my life to be easy and light and fun for me to really perform at my best. And, and that's something that I learned um, through friends and family and a therapist and, you know, just trying to put things um, not in a box, but into specific places in my life for them to like, just kind of make it a positive experience in general. So at this time last year, when you're getting ready for the marathon project, you, you were still in Idaho at that point? Yes. Yes. Okay. And what caused you to, you know, now you're in Boulder, what caused you? To- so I got a divorce and that was something that was very unexpected. It, it didn't, um, it wasn't like we're, we're fine now, but like it was it was a very hard thing to go through. It was very um, quick and and very painful. But I knew that I needed a change. I couldn't be in that environment anymore. It was 10 years of my life with this person. And it was just, you know, everywhere I looked in Boise was was that and what we had. And so that was um, just too painful to bear. And maybe I could I could go back since I've gone through therapy and, and talk to people and like kind of you know, tackle it a little bit differently. But the fact that I've gone to Boulder now and I've immersed myself in in this community and the support system, I I can't look back. And I I appreciate all the all the people that are in Boise and the times that I had there. But like, this is my life now. And I want to, you know, kind of ride this wave of where I'm at. And um, I I'm, I couldn't be happier, honestly. And that's, that's something that's really like, and I think can be inspiring to other people. It's inspiring to me that like, you can go through something really, really awful and still like, 
um, come out the other side stronger and happier and just better for it. Yeah. I, I mean, how difficult was it? Obviously it's difficult personally. Um, but like for your running as well, your, your ex-husband was your coach at the time. So mm-hmm. how, like as an athlete, professional athlete, how difficult was it for you to sort of get through that scenario? I thought like my career was over. I honestly like was so worried because he was a very good coach to me. I, my training was going great and I was very excited about the future and in that, you know, program, that system. And um, then I was like, Oh crap, you know, like I, I don't know what to do, where to go, who to be coached by. I didn't think I'd ever have to think about something like this. And it wasn't until I talked to Laura Thweet that I was like, Oh, um, you know, she's coached by Joe and she's had this amazing career. She took fifth at the Olympic trials. I mean, they're onto something out in Boulder and um, I kind of want to investigate, you know, what's going on here. And um, it was only one conversation with one coach and then I was decided I was hooked. Wow. So no big recruiting process. You weren't looking at anywhere else. It was just no. sold immediately. I know, I know what I wanted and I, I got it. <laughs> I mean, just talking to Joe once I was like, he's the coach for me. He has got the, you know, the right kind of, you know, mentality of just kind of being chill and like knowing that there's life outside of running and we all have to be holistic and happy. And, you know, just the the drive that he has and the love of coaching that he has and the just strides that he wants to make for his athletes and team was just something to be admired. And I was, you know, five minutes in, I was like, yep, this is this is the place for me. And I, I hope that they would accept me. And it was it was a pretty quick process, actually. <laughs> One of the things, though, I saw, I think you had a post about this talking about like how you came to join the group. You said it wasn't up to Joe to decide. You said it was up to the team. So how did they, do they have a vote? Like how did you become accepted into this group? I think it was just word of mouth. And like once I was like kind of immersed um, for a few days, I went to Crested Butte just to kind of get a feel for everybody. And they were on their training camp up in Crested Butte. And I just was myself as much as I could be. And it just meshed so well. Like we just like were laughing and joking all, you know, right off the bat and just like really enjoying each other's company. And like, at least from my end, I was like, I'm in, I'm all in, but um, I don't know how they decided. I think they, we were just all so happy and um, I just meshed and it, the rest is history. I don't know. I actually haven't asked them if they took a vote, but I guess that's, they voted yes, if, if so. I'm curious how that, the arrangement works financially because no one, there's no, this isn't like a sponsor, a group isn't, a sponsor is not sponsoring this group. It's a bunch of different athletes with a bunch of different sponsors. Like, do you pay Joe a stipend to coach you? Yes, yes. We all pay Joe um, a stipend and I like some people have it written in their contracts. Some people don't, I don't. So, um, it just depends like where you're at in, in your, uh, contract. But, um, yes, we all, we all pay him individually, but like, I think that's honestly the way to go. I mean, I don't know so much about like the other teams out there, but I am so glad that I wasn't forced to be on a team because of my sponsor and ASICS was so supportive of my decision to join that team. And even though there's, you know, no other ASICS athletes on there, they wanted me to be happy and they looked out for my best interest and were completely behind it. Do do you guys ever run into any issues like having someone with one sponsor and someone with another sponsor? Is that ever a problem or are you guys, is it pretty smooth? I, I mean, we haven't had any problems that I know of. I mean, I don't, I don't know what other people's contracts look like, but like, 
I mean, we just post and haven't gotten reprimanded yet. So I guess we'll just keep going with it. I think they know that it's like working like this. This system is like so unique. And and it. I mean, I know it's not like any other team, but this is something that I think we're we're on to. And I think uh, sponsorships might be picking up on that and understanding that this might be the way to go, the direction that that the Spartans to go in. Did you make any significant tweaks to your training since joining the group? Um, just like, you, you know, I was doing seven day cycles and now I do 10 day cycles. So that was like the biggest change. And then just longer, like the long runs are so much harder and so much longer than what I was doing prior. And so that is something that, um, I think really, really made a big difference in this training and where I ended up at, at Chicago. So, and then just the, the higher mileage. So going from like 110 to, to 120 at altitude was, was the biggest change. So where do you view yourself in the hierarchy of U.S. marathoners right now? Because we got a, a few of them are running New York. Obviously, we had a few at the Olympics. But you beat Sarah Hall, who was the winner of the marathon project. She's the fastest one right now in terms of PRs. How do you feel you stack up against the rest of the country? That's hard to say because, like, I mean, they're all such different races and such different experiences and conditions. And I would like to say that I have cemented myself in the top five, um, but we just don't know until like we're, you know, in the same in the same field. And so I hope that we a lot of us are able to kind of be in that position where we're, we're racing against each other. I mean, the spring might be really interesting because there's not very many races. I think Boston is the only one. Um, if I'm correct, because London moved back to the fall. So that might be a really interesting day is if people decide to do Boston and we can all kind of get in there and, and see what we can do. And I mean, just the world championships coming up, like who's going to be selected for that team might might be a big indicator and in who's, you know, the top runners in the, in the country right now. But it's it's crazy that it's like kind of not up in the air. Cause like there's, you know, Sarah who's ran 220 and, and Molly who, who's a bronze medalist at the Olympics. So I definitely think, you know, they're kind of a step above, but it, it's crazy that we're all really, really close right now. It's really exciting for American female distance running. Yeah. You mentioned the world championships in Eugene next year. First time the U S has ever hosted this meet is that, do you want to run the marathon there? I definitely do. So fingers crossed that like this race and maybe if I, you know, need to do really well in the spring, um, hopefully I do well there because I want to represent this country. And that's always the main objective is, you know, making teams, making Olympic teams, making world teams. And so I never want to pass up an opportunity to make, uh, you know, the U.S. proud and to represent. Do you know how they're picking that team? I I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, I would not be the person to ask. (laughs) I mean, do, do you not find this a little absurd that we're nine months away from the meet? USATF still hasn't announced. This is the biggest meet USATF's ever hosted. They haven't announced who's make, how to make the team. Like, do you find that frustrating as an athlete? Yes, but like this is how it's kind of always been. So you just kind of roll with it and you can only control the controllables. And so I'll just try to, you know, run as fast as I can each time I'm out there and hope for the best. Yeah. But yeah, it is frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I'm frustrated just as a journalist trying to figure this stuff out. So I can't imagine someone who actually wants to run the meet, you know, have you talked to the other women? Like, do you, do you get the sense that everyone's going to want to run this race if you're American because it's on home soil or is there an indifference? Cause sometimes people just don't care about the world championship marathon. Yeah. I find this really interesting because um, I feel like 
most marathoners choose to not. They choose to forgo the world championships. And I don't know if it's different again because it's on home soil, but there's not, you know, that big money factor, you know, kind of in your face. You know, there's no there's no appearance fee to make the world team. And so that's something that is very interesting and um, kind of people's priorities and, you know, whether or not they're money motivated or if they're, you know, team motivated. And there's nothing wrong with being one or the other, but I'm just saying it's, it's just, yeah, it's interesting that there's kind of a split there. So um, I hope that we put together the best team that we can and people say yes to this opportunity because I think it's really special. And I think um, we could really do some damage out there and, 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 you know, maybe even podium a couple of people, maybe three people if we can. And that, that's something that's really exciting and very, very unique to where we're at in, in the, the sport right now in, in female distance running. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to, US isn't going to be hosting Worlds again anytime soon. I guess they got the Olympics in 2028, so there is one more opportunity. <laughs> but I mean, that's about it. I'm a little worried. Like, are you worried about the heat at all? Because I was in Eugene at the trials in, you know, last June, and it was like 110 degrees for a couple of the days of that meet. What are you thinking about the weather? Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember running on the, the, the track for the 10K uh, during that weather. Um, that was not a fun time, and I hope to not do that again. But if the opportunity, um, presents itself. I'm not going to say no because of the weather. I mean, that is just something that you have to put up with. And I don't know if anything's going to be as bad as Doha though. I mean, that was, that was brutal. And I mean, I honestly, like, I think some of the people that ran there are still paying repercussions for what they put their bodies through. But, um, if, if that's what it's going to take, I mean, that's what it's going to take. I, again, this is a very special moment for the U S to be hosting this. So I, I'm going to be there no matter what, if I can be. And, you know, you mentioned Boston could be an option for you and it may be by default in April. Like, do you think you've run two marathons in Chicago uh, and th- those are your two fastest times? Like, do you think you're made for a flatter course or a hilly course? Like, what's your ideal marathon course? It's so hard to say because uh, the only hilly course that I ran was CIM, which is just downhill, and that's not really a good indicator. But uh, and then the trials, which were very hilly, but that was such an odd day that like I didn't really run the race that I should have or could have, and so I I don't know how I would do over the course of a marathon, but I do know that my PR for like the half marathon was in New York City, and so I know that I can race well on hills and. Um, I think it would be really fun because, you know, it gets a little monotonous out on Chicago sometimes when it's so flat, like your muscles just kind of doing the same thing. So I think a little bit of undulation and, you know, a little bit of change in the muscle um, action is just going to, you know, be be pretty good for me. And I, I love cross country. I love the hills. And I feel like I've always been pretty good at that. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see on the day if I do it, um, how it's going to go. I know that cross country. I'm now I'm bummed. Like, would you have run the world cross country next year if you could have? Because now that's been kicked down the road to 2023. Shoot, yeah. Like, is that something you would have been interested in? I was really excited about that, and I think I think my whole team and Joe were all excited about kind of going after that. But um, yeah, I I'm bummed that like nobody kind of took it over. Honestly, like I feel like we could have done it somewhere else and have it have it be just as safe. So um, I. I hope that, uh, you know, 2023, it'll actually happen, but it is very, very sad. Cross country always just kind of gets, you know, pushed to the wayside and I, it's my first love and I, I really do miss it and want to get back to it. 
The whole team. So even like Emma Cobham, is she going to run cross? Uh, maybe not the whole team. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> She's definitely track girl, but uh, there's, there's a lot of us that were really, really excited about it. Like, you know, Danny Jones is a, an NCAA champion. So I think she would have been really, really thrilled to be out there again. Yeah. I, well, I always guess, get curious because like some of the very biggest names don't always run cross country or, you know, for the U.S. So. Yeah, Emma wasn't a big fan of cross country. I don't think she ever did quite that well. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, you mentioned you know you had a big celebration in Chicago on day of the race. Do you have anything else planned? Like you go on? Do you have a vacation now? Like what do you do for the next week or two until you get back to training? Well, I was really bummed. I was supposed to go to Boise this next weekend. Um, supposed to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that was kind of like the big like hurrah afterwards, but it got postponed because of COVID. And so now I have to kind of set my sights on something else. But um, I am so excited. I'm going actually to New York City Marathon to support Laura Thweet. She is racing and I'm going to be kind of like her personal assistant there and kind of make sure, you know, everything kind of goes to to plan and, and stuff for her. And so I think that'll be like the, the big celebration will be in New York City when, when she's done running because um, I'm just, it's her turn, you know, like we we have been running a lot together and um, I'm just really excited to see where, where she ends up. And I think uh, me racing so well, I think that gave her a really big boost of confidence and motivation mm. have you been to new york for marathon weekend before no i haven't yeah i'm very very thrilled so um i think it'll give me a good feel for it for when i do it in the future too so um i'm excited to just kind of scope it out a bit yeah yeah it's it's awesome and bummer that they canceled last year so it's nice to to have it all back um well it's great oh boise state hall of fame i want were you inducted with alongside any football players because i know they start churning them out recent years Yes, yes. Um, ooh, don't ask me the names. Uh, I, I have them somewhere. But um, Callum Moore was inducted like a couple years ago. And so um, not in the Callum Moore Hall of Fame, but uh, being amongst like the, the big names there are is going to be very, very exciting. I mean, anytime you're like represented in that way is just like or or honored in that way is, is something that's really, really special and exciting. And hopefully it'll happen next year. Um, this is the second time it's been postponed. So fingers crossed. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm curious, like when you're a top athlete in one of these schools, like do you have any interaction with the football players when you're at Boise State? Uh, when I was there, we like shared like not not shared a locker room, but shared like a like a locker room facility. And so like we we always did ice baths together and stuff like that. And it was always so smelly and gross, but it was it was always really fun. And then, yeah, we all we had the track um along the the field at the time so they ended up moving the track recently but we always would run around them you know the entire time they were practicing and you know footballs would be flying and we'd be jumping over them and all that so yeah it was it was a good time and um i i'm so happy that like i had the uh just the experience that i did at boise state yeah so wait the track was around the blue field that one Yes, it used oh, okay. to be, not anymore. Yeah, they moved it now. But okay, well, that's pretty cool. Because yeah, I'm trying to remember Boise State. I feel like they were that was close to that peak when you were when you were there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there there wasn't much of like a, a distance team until like my class got into there, and then it really like started to become on the rise. And then Corey coming in, it really took off. Yeah. Well, Emma, I think that's pretty much everything you know. I wanted to cover. I appreciate you coming on and giving us your time, and you know, congrats again on a, a spectacular run in Chicago, and, and best of luck, uh, you know, moving forward. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, and um, yeah, I'll see you in New York City, maybe. I'll be there. Awesome. <laughs> you got thirty seconds. You want to be a better runner? Get better electrolytes. Go to drinklmnt.com slash let's run. Get a free sample pack, six different flavors sent to you 
only $5 shipping. I'll refund your money if you don't like it. Electrolytes without the junk. No sugar. It's great. Try it out now. You can check out on your phone literally 30 seconds. And while you're on your phone, sign up for the Supporters Club. Let's run.com slash subscribe. Become a Let's Run.com VIP today. Save 20% on running shoes. Get an extra podcast every week. Subscription pays for itself.